the word. God, I pray that uh, in this time, you would just use um, this moment to reveal more of who you are, that your word would um, take root in our hearts, that it would grow and bring forth good fruit in our lives. We look to you, we, we yield to your Holy Spirit in this time, help us to teach and hear, apply and learn uh, your word today, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we have been going through the Psalms this summer, and we've been taking about 15 Psalms per week and picking one of those and teaching on it on a Sunday and spending a little bit more time together as a church family going into that. And uh, we've called the series Giving Voice to Our Souls because as we've seen going through the Psalms, it really covers an array of kind of the outpouring of the human emotions and soul um, Everything from, Lord, will you please take care of my enemies for me, to uh, songs of, of lament and deep despair and hopelessness, but honesty and crying out to God. There are songs of great um, adulation and praise and thanksgiving to God, and it really covers the gamut of uh, the conditions of our hearts, our minds, our souls as the people of God. As I was praying through what to teach this Sunday, um, I think the Lord made it pretty emphatically clear. Uh, if you were reading with us, you noted that the last handful of psalms in, in the collection of psalms covers one topic primarily. What do you think that is? Anybody who was paying attention? Yeah, it's praise. In fact, the last five psalms of the 150 uh, are called Hallel psalms, where we get our word Alleluia, or praise the Lord, because they begin and they end with this, this phrase, praise the Lord. And so it would seem appropriate for us as a church family as we end this season that we've been this summer in the Psalms, and as we enter a season, as Rick was saying, of a lot of really great um, activity that really is an outpouring of the work that God is doing in and through his church, that we spend time hanging out where the Psalms land the plane, and it is on this topic of praise. So you see in the uh, beginning of the psalm, 146, it says, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. The word praise is, is kind of an interesting term. We think of it maybe as singing songs in response to who God is on a Sunday morning. Uh, praise is, is much more um, comprehensive than that. So praise can be kind of any type of outpouring. It can be vocal. It can be in countenance. It can be in activities and actions. But they, this praise is inclusive of all of those things as a response to who God is. It talks here in the psalm about praising the Lord with, with our souls. And when you think of soul, kind of what comes to mind for you? What do you think we're praising God with if we're praising him with our soul? Okay, that was easy. <laughs> yeah, so the word soul is inclusive of our hearts, our emotions, which is, I think, where a lot of people uh, would go when they think of this concept of soul, but it's also with our minds, and it's also with our, our physical selves, and with every breath and all of our lives. And so the psalmist is saying, praise the Lord with everything that I am in, in every aspect of me. It's like Jesus said, loving the Lord your God with all of your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. 
And so when we think of this concept of praise, it's just so much more. It's inclusive of the things that we do on a Sunday morning in response to who God is, the singing and the praise and the worship. But the reality is, is it's also inclusive of uh, getting up with your little kids in the middle, middle of the night and changing diapers. Uh, it's inclusive of going to your workplace in a way uh, that honors Jesus and brings glory to his name. It's inclusive of the way we think and the way we handle our emotions and the way we live and we deal with our lives. I will praise the Lord with all of my life. So it's not just all of us, all of who we are, but it's all of our lives. So it's not just, again, um, the things we do together when we're with other Christians, but it's the things that we do uh, in our neighborhood, um, in our schools, or elsewhere. And then singing praise to God as long as we live. And so it's not just something that we want to do now, and it's not something we just dedicate our kids to do when they're little, and it's not just something we do when we get older, but it's something that we desire to do with our whole lives, from day one until the last breath that we breathe. And so you get this concept, right, of, of all of this praise, all of this response is, a, is the result of knowing God intimately to a greater degree in all of who we are, in every area of our lives, for as long as we live. And I believe that's what God would want us to do and be as, as his people. It's, it's funny. Um, Rick and I were talking earlier, and there's this sense that we have that God is doing a lot of really cool things, right? And so uh, as we've been together as a church family, we're starting to see the fruits of that in different areas, the expressions of who God has wired each of us to be, and then the outpouring of that in really practical ways that serve other people in the name of Jesus and that bring him honor. So whether it's mending the soul or it's alpha or if it's praise in the park um, or even if it's the things that we don't see as big programs within the church but that are happening in your lives in these various areas, um, it feels like we're in a season of enjoying some of the fruitfulness that comes from abiding in Jesus At the same time, there's a tendency when you start to shift that focus to want to uh, start emphasizing, okay, now it's time for us to take our focus off of who God is and start focusing on what we're going to do for him. And I believe the very simple message that God would want us to take in as a church family today is that we are never called to take our focus off of him, of who he is, of intimately knowing him, going deeper and deeper, more comprehensively, every single day, we want him to have more of who we are, individually and as a church family. And this psalm and the psalms that follow it are all about that. It, it would be easy to go through all this outpouring of, of emotions that we've seen through the psalms and go, okay, now it's time to shut that down and turn our focus elsewhere. But the Bible's really clear that everything that we do, anything fruitful that comes from our lives or from our church is going to be because of that intimate connection with God. Second Peter, just the first chapter, verses 2 and 3 says, grace, so grace is God's 
favor toward us that we don't necessarily deserve, but that he gives anyway because of who he is. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and our, our Lord Jesus Christ. So, so abundance of grace, abundance of peace, which sounds pretty good, right? Uh, in, inside and, and, and to express outwardly. He says that's going to be yours in abundance if you have this intimate knowledge and relationship with God. Verse 3 goes on to say, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. And so as we uh, enjoy more of who God is, as we go deeper in our knowledge, which can be in our heads, but also our relationship in our hearts and in our practical experience and expression of who he is in our lives, um, there is going to be fruitfulness. The picture that uh, the, the Gospel of John gives us is that of Jesus being a true vine and us being branches. And it says there in John chapter 15 that if we want to glorify the Father in, which is in heaven, then our lives should bear much fruit and then we'll be called his disciples. And there is a tendency maybe within some of us to go, okay, I, I, want, I know that I was made to bring God glory, and that we were all made to bring God glory. And so I'm going to try really hard to bear a whole bunch of fruit and therefore be his disciple and bring him glory. There's a movement within the church right now that's, that's really focused on how do we get better at making disciples of Jesus. That's a healthy desire, and it's a good conversation for us to be having. But, but John's really clear. You bear fruit. You're going to be his disciple, and you will bring God glory. But the way we bring fruit is this. It is not trying really hard or striving in our own efforts. It is, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Abide in me, stay, stay rooted in me, connected to me, knowing me intimately, abiding in him, and you will, what? You'll, you'll, you'll bear much fruit. And... Yet, if you're apart from me, you will bear nothing. And so one of the things that God keeps reminding us as a church family is this truth, that we want to stay rooted all the time in increasing measure in more areas of our lives, in who Jesus is, in knowing him deeply and intimately, and being transformed by him. This is the this is the amazing thing about the new covenant, about the gospel, is that it is um, God who works inside of us to want to do what he wants us to do and to actually perform what he wants us to do. According to our giftings, according to how he's wired us. So if he wires a baby to be uh, light, he's going to make them light by his Holy Spirit. If he wires them to be a leader, he's going to make them into a leader by his grace and by his spirit. And, and all of us collectively get to participate in that process. But our goal as a church family is not to say, okay, go out and work harder or try to shine brighter. Our job as a family is, is to go, let's go deeper into intimacy with God. Ind individually and as a group, and as we do that, we're going to bear much fruit. And we are seeing the fruits already of that in our church family. But let's not take our focus off of the main thing, right? Um, I believe this set of psalms 
146 through 50 is just reminding us, don't, don't complicate this thing. Praise the Lord. Respond to who he is by shining forth brightly in whatever way he has wired you to do so. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. Do not put your trust in princes, in mortal men who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground. On that very day, their plans come to nothing. Blessed is he whose help is in the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, the Lord who remains faithful forever, or in some of your Bibles, it might say, who keeps all of his promises. So this is reinforcing that same thing, right? Which is we, we shouldn't, in, in praising the Lord with all of our lives in every area for all of our days, we shouldn't necessarily look to other people and put our, tr- our ultimate trust in them. Uh, we shouldn't look to ourselves and put our ultimate trust in ourselves, but we should look to God for our help. He should be our hope. This past week uh, at work, so I, I, I work with a, a company uh, just locally, and there was a situation, there were a number of decisions that, that I had to make uh, as a leader of that company that, um, where I couldn't give all of the information because of HR stuff or, or other practical aspects, and so people were just reading the decisions that I and others made, um, and they were making judgments, and they were making wrong judgments about those decisions and what they meant about my intentions, about where we were going as a company. And uh, honestly, for that whole week, I was really struggling because I was going to other leaders within our company going, okay, what do you think? How should we handle this? How do we fix this? And uh, last weekend, in this gathering, I was still kind of wrestling with that. Um, And then we prayed together uh, as a church family, and uh, the Lord began a work inside of me that said, hey, you're putting your trust in the insights and the, the abilities of other people, in your own ability to come up with a plan that's going to solve this issue, and I want you to just let it go, which is really hard, right? When, when you're wanting to fix something, and it's your responsibility uh, by uh, worldly terms to fix something, to really just hold on to that and, and, and want to fix it and make it happen. And God just said, no, don't do anything until Monday. And... Uh, you know, I had been thinking about, okay, what message can I send out to everybody to try to fix this? And he said, nope, just don't do anything. And so on Monday morning, I'm praying, and God says, um, I just want you to go into your workplace, and as I present you opportunities, I want you to be an advocate of truth. So just speak truth uh, whenever I give you an open door. And so I walked into my office, and uh, conversation after conversation that, that I didn't force, but God had already put on my schedule, uh, I just started to, to share truth of what was behind some of these decisions and, and where we were going and what that meant for everybody. And it, God's plan was better than my original plan of, of trying to fix things by myself. And yet I do that all the time, right? And so this is a very simple message of, of trust God, put your hope in him, look to him for help rather than looking to other people or, or to yourself ultimately. It's a simple truth, and yet the application of it is against the grain, right? There's that natural tendency that we have to trust in ourselves or other people. Um, and it takes intentionality <laughs> to actually go, no, you know what, God? I- I'm going to take my hands off of this thing, and I'm going to look to you. I'm going to trust in you. 
and still participate in you and what you've given me to do, but rather than trying to, to force something by my own efforts or wisdom, I'm going to look to you and follow yours. And so that's one of the things we want to make sure that we do as a church family uh, as we uh, have the right desires to share the love and the light of Jesus with our community. Um, we want to make sure that we're doing it in his timing, according to his plan, uh, that he is leading, and we are not forcing that in our own flesh, that we're not striving, but that we're just participating in the work that God is already doing in Sherwood and beyond. This last section, verses 7 through 10, uh, talks about a whole bunch of things that God does, some amazing things that God does. And what I would love for us to do is, since praise is a response to who God is, I would love for us to look at these phrases and just, just throw out a few words of what does this tell us about who God is, and then let's respond to that. So verse 7 says, he upholds the cause of the oppressed. What does that phrase tell us about who God is? He sees. Yeah. Yeah, so God, God sees the oppression uh, that happens either by people or situations, and he knows, right? Yeah, he sees and he knows. What else does it tell us about God? Yeah. Yeah, he's an advocate to the oppressed. So oppressed signifies that, that you are so beaten down by someone or something that you cannot easily defend yourself, right? And yet, for that person, whether spiritually or practically in, in, in a situation, even when they cannot stand up for themselves or we cannot stand up for ourselves, um, God upholds the cause of the oppressed. So if, even if we can't stand up for that cause, God does. He gives food to the hungry. What does that tell us about who God is? Yeah, he's a provider. Yeah, he, care, he cares about our bodies, about all of us, right? All of who we are. What else? Yeah. Yeah, compassion? Yeah, he's compassionate. And he, he cares about our hunger, about our need and our want. Generous, right? He's generous and he's a giver. And he gives food to those who are hungry, both practically and, again, spiritually. The Lord gives, uh, sets prisoners free. What does that say about who God is? Yeah, yeah, he's, he's for freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. And it is for freedom that he has set us free. God is really into freedom. And, and whether that's, again, practically or politically, uh, or whether that is spiritually, um, God sent his son and sent his spirit so that we might enjoy freedom. That's a really practical word because do you feel free? And don't, you don't need to answer out loud, but, but God came to set prisoners free. That's part of who he is. The Lord gives sight to the blind. Yeah, he's a healer. Yeah, so he, he actually cares practically, again, about our physical being, he can, and he's able and willing to heal. Jesus did that all the time in his ministry here on earth. What else? Uh, did I hear teacher? Yeah, yeah, so he's a, he's, a, he's a teacher. So blindness can be like inability to see clearly truth. And so, so God is a 
healer of the blind in that he reveals to us the things that we might not otherwise see. Um, he reveals his truth to us through his word, by his spirit. Yeah, what else? I heard something else. Teacher. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, his word is a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. So that, that concept of lamp is like step by step. It's a, it's a light in front of you. But then it's, it's also like the morning sun that illuminates kind of a broader path. So God is able to be a visionary for us. And so he shows us kind of the general direction to go, but he also very practically shows us step by step what we ought to do. So for anybody here this morning who's going, man, I just, I've got the situation and I don't know which way to go, or uh, man, I'm just really confused, in this, God, God opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. What does that tell us about who God is? Yeah, he knows our hearts. Yeah, so he, he knows if you're bowed down or defeated or low, right? Yeah. What else? Yeah, he's merciful. So, so that person who's bowed down, he, he shows them mercy and grace. That's big time. Yeah, he opposes the proud. The Bible says that God gives more grace. So he gives more of his, his favor that maybe we don't deserve. But he resists the proud, and he gives his grace to the humble. And so it's that person who's bowed down, that person who has humbled themself, themselves in his sight, that he actually lives, lifts up. And it is actually in our weakness that his strength is made perfect. So, so God lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. And when we talk about righteousness, we talk about um, not the fact that we are um, inherently pharisaical in our keeping of God's law, but it, we're, we're talking about the fact that God has given us his righteousness and he has taken from us our sin. And that practically by his Holy Spirit, he is making us more righteous. And that one day we will be perfectly righteous like he is when we go to heaven. And so um, when we talk about righteous, we're really just talking about the invitation that is to anyone who would receive Jesus Christ is, is made righteous in him and is gradually made uh, righteous by his Holy Spirit. God loves us. And, and anyone who would come to him and receive him he loves. The Lord watches over the alien or the foreigner. What does that tell us about who God is? Yeah, so, so particularly someone who's not in the inner circle, who's kind of on the outside looking in, um, the outcast, the, the one who, who may be uh, not fitting in with the rest of the group, God um, specifically watches over that person or those people. And that has just huge and massive implications. But the good news is there are times in our lives, too, where we feel like we are on the outside. And in that moment, when we were on the outside because of our sin, we were brought near to him because of the blood of Christ. He sustains the fatherless and the widow. What does that tell us about God? Yeah, he, he protects those who maybe can't protect themselves rather than helping those who, who already can help themselves, right? 
He frustrates the ways of the wicked. What does that tell us about God? Yeah, he knows and he sees, he's sovereign, but also I think it's, it's also mercy again, right? Because I've found in my life when I'm headed down a path that I know I ought not be going down, God mercifully derails me or, or, or brings me back. And so he frustrates the ways of the wicked. And I believe it's, it's from a place of mercy and kindness and love. And the Lord reigns forever. Dear God, O Zion, for all generations. What does that tell us about who God is? He's the top, he's the top dog. He, he's the everlasting king, right? And his kingdom lasts forever. I love, I love that it, it takes time to like go, okay, here are all these things that maybe we, we academically know or we've, we've heard in Sunday school or we hear people say from the pulpit on a Sunday. We go, yeah, God is, uh, gives sight to the blind and God is the eternal king who reigns forever and he gives food to the hungry. And you can almost start to take these things for granted, like, yeah, 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 we know that this is who God is. And yet, what he wants to remind us of is this, this is real. And, and we all find ourselves in these places of oppression, of hunger, of blindness, of, of being the outcast or being alienated. And if we're all honest, we have moments each week <laughs> where we feel those things, right? And yet, he is an advocate for the oppressed when we cannot stand up for ourselves. And part of how we enjoy these things is actually having to go through the situations where we are the oppressed, and we are the blind, and we can't see, and we are hungry. And so as we've gone through the Psalms, you see these ups and downs. It's like a roller coaster, right, of all of these emotions in response to the circumstances of life. And those are all, it's not that God puts us through those trials. God doesn't test us or try us in that way. But life is going to bring those trials, those ups and those downs. And in the midst of those trials that God does not cause, God can still use those to build in us the character, the faith, the revelation of more of who he is. So you only know him as the provider if you have need for his provision. Or you most fully experience him as provider in that time. You only know him as the healer when you have need to be healed to a full degree. And so these ups and downs that we go through uh, are, are seasons of life in which God can still be praised. He can still be known more deeply and more intimately in the ups of life and the downs of life and everything in between, which is why the psalmist is saying, praise the Lord, O my soul, all of me, in every area of my life, for all of my days. And I believe that's what God would want for us as a church family, is to um, not work ourselves up and go, okay, you guys, you need to take this more seriously and praise him more fully. That's, that's not what the psalmist is saying. The psalmist is saying, know God deeply and intimately in every area of your life, and the response to that will be praise. It will be an outpouring response to who he is, whether in song or whether in countenance or action or fruitfulness, all of those things flow from knowing more of who he is and allowing him to saturate uh, who we are more fully, individually and as a group. 
So it's appropriate then that the psalm ends again with praise the Lord. Praising the Lord does include praising Him in song. <laughs> and so we're, we're going to do that in just a min- minute. Uh, we're going to come to the tables of communion as we often do. We're going to sing some songs of praise and worship to Him. And as we do that, um, we get to remember that He is Savior, that He is the perfect sacrifice, that one day when we are all in heaven, because of the work of Jesus on our behalf, we will come before the throne and we will see Him as a lamb slain and we will fall down and worship Him and bring Him praise and honor and glory because He is uh, the lamb that was slain for us. He took upon Himself all of our sin and the punishment that went along with it so that we might have life, life eternally and life abundantly now. And we get to celebrate that in this moment. We get to respond to that truth of who God is, the perfect and wonderful Savior, by loving Him because He first loved us, by worshiping Him because He is worthy of all of our worship. So let's pray, and then we'll get into some some time in communion. God, we thank you that we have the opportunity to know who you are. We used to be distant from you because of sin, and yet you came to us in our weakness. When we were oppressed, when we were enslaved, when we were um, brought low because of our own sin, you came to us. And you gave yourself for us that we might have a way to be in communion with you, to know you deeply and intimately, and that our lives might be just a a symphony of worship back to you because of who you are. So I pray for our church family that we would um, take this thing that we already know in our heads and that in the seasons of life, the ups and downs, that we would, um, by your grace, by your spirit, and, and with one another, that we would know and feel and experience more of who you are more fully in all of who we are in every area of our life for all of our days. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.